when they're cut off from water, everything dies. Tonight on Global News Hour, the devastating effects of the drought in BC as farmers struggle to grow their crops and feed livestock. We decided that we did not want to encounter a cougar. Pets attacked and killed an aggressive cougar in Cultus Lake Provincial Park and the warning from conservation officers. And then... 30 years, it's a really, really long time um, for a family not to have closure. A new billboard campaign on Vancouver Island to finally locate Lindsay Nichols. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. We begin with breaking news. A nearly week-long search for a missing woman with dementia in the Tri-Cities has ended with the best possible news. Li Fang Chang has been found and she's safe. Julia Foy joins us now with the details. And Julia, what have you found out? Well, Julie, yes, it's the ending family and friends of Lee Fang Chang were hoping for. After a long week of searching by the Coquitlam RCMP and several regional search and rescue crews, Chang was found in a field of a large property on Edward Street. Now, remember back on Monday afternoon, video was captured showing her walking near Harper Road and Shea Street in Coquitlam. She hasn't been seen for five days. Officials say this afternoon, she was spotted sitting on a rock beside a fishing pond. Emergency crews checked her over and say she appears to be in good shape. Rescuers think she's been drinking water from the pond and eating berries from some bushes. Now, Chang does suffer from dementia, and she did appear a bit disoriented, but has since been returned to her home, which is roughly one kilometer from where she was found. Now, we're told family is not able to speak to us at this time, but I'm sure there will be much relief in their home tonight. Julie? Awesome. Thank you for this, Julia. Now, thousands are adversely affected by the hundreds of wildfires burning across the province right now, but nearly every British Columbian will be feeling the effects of the current drought likely for years to come. As Travis Persaud reports, farmers are already feeling the impact and it will hurt us all where we can least afford it. It's been a very dry summer so far. The level and extent of drought that we're witnessing this early on in the season is deeply concerning. Especially for BC farmers like Raquel Koloff, who runs this 15-acre farm in Gibsons. She says the water restrictions likely to be implemented are a serious threat to her livelihood. There needs to be an education on what is critical water use, and it can't just be this indoor versus outdoor metric. If the Sunshine Coast enacts the most extreme restrictions for a second straight summer, outdoor watering will not be permitted. Koloff says it disproportionately impacts farmers who make a living outside. When farmers see breweries and concrete companies allowed to keep using water until stage five, which is three, four, five, six weeks after we're cut off, but yet we have to watch our crops die and our ecosystems die. That's really tough to take. The hot, dry weather has led to a shortage of hay, making it a hot commodity province-wide. The calculations that I've done on the hay that we were able to get this year were 153% higher than we paid last year from the same, um, from the same farm. In the north, a feed shortage is forcing the early sale and culling of cattle. If you have to start culling your younger breeding stock, it, it takes it a while to, you know, to build it back up again. We're working with our federal counterparts to try to actively um, assess what the situation is, get a handle on what those needs are, 
and then put in what's called an agri-recovery request to help producers um, get back on their feet and maintain their herds. Farmers say higher operating costs and less supply means customers will have to pay more for locally sourced meat and produce this summer and beyond. With the, all of the wildfires in BC, you know, that's been really top of mind for everybody. But, uh, you know, the impacts of this are, are lingering and just below the surface and uh, they're going to be felt for years here. Travis Prasad, Global News. On to the current wildfire fight, and there are currently more than 360 fires burning across the province, 28 of them sparked in the last 24 hours alone. An evacuation order was issued for those living on 135 parcels of land in the Lukuz area in the Caribou due to the threat of fire. The order covers more than 330,000 hectares. Evacuees are being directed to head to an emergency service centre in Prince George. And those evacuees are traveling through Quenelle, which has been under a thick blanket of smoke. The smoke plummeting the air quality in the town throughout the week. On Friday, Quenelle's air quality health index was 10 plus, which poses a very high health risk to residents. Two thirds of the province is under a smoky skies bulletin. And the BC Wildfire Service is planning to ignite about 200 hectares of forest near the Tintagal Fire, burning about five kilometers northeast of Burns Lake. The ignition is meant to burn trees between the main fire and control lines along the fire's edge and will only proceed when weather conditions are right. The fire has sparked evacuation orders and alerts east of Burns Lake. And 33 kilometers west of Lillooette and crews are continuing to respond to the Casper Creek wildfire near Anderson Lake. The Squamish Lillooette Regional District has issued an evacuation alert for residents of several properties in the area. The Horseshoe Lake wildfire, which sparked near Armstrong on July 7th, is now completely out. The township of Spalashim shut down its emergency operations center this morning. At its height, the fire prompted dozens of evacuation alerts and orders. The fire scorched about 3.2 hectares. The township is thanking the BC Wildfire Service, regional partners and volunteers who helped out during the firefight. A scorcher today, but is there more on the way when it comes to the firefight? Well, meteorologist Yvonne Shell joins us with what's on the horizon, Yvonne. Julie, we've got record-breaking temperatures today that fell. We're also seeing the ongoing drought. Just a sample of some of the numbers. These are unofficial, but we can see the heat for Nelson up to 34.7. Old record uh, back in 1996, that should be 34.4 or 3. Chilliwack at 33.8 in areas near Squamish getting up to 30 degrees. Even areas near West Van and out of the harbour potentially seeing that record heat that was broken back in 2018. This is what the concern at this hour and over the next couple we are seeing some lightning strikes with the severe thunderstorm watch that is in effect. The northeastern corners of the province, the central half and extending in towards Quinell and areas towards the south. This will ease off but we still have another active day tomorrow in terms of the lightning and the potential of sparking fires across the region and a reminder no significant precipitation in the forecast. We're not tracking a reprieve just yet and we're sitting at anywhere between high to extreme. We've got the smoky Skies bulletin that's blanketing the province. I'll have more coming up very shortly. Julie? All right. Thank you, Yvonne. Fire has gutted one unit of a duplex in Burnaby this morning, forcing four people out of their home. The Global One helicopter capturing the moment just after 9 o'clock this morning as smoke billowed from the duplex in the 7300 block of 19th Street. 
Flames could also be seen coming from the front of the home, causing damage to a parked SUV. The fire department says all four residents of the unit on fire made it out safely and no one was hurt, but the unit is not safe to occupy. The cause of the fire is under investigation. In the interior now, there was more blasting last night at the site of a couple of slides that came down on Highway 97 in Summerland. The blast went off around 6 p.m. Drive BC is reporting the highway was closed for about three hours. The first slide came down on May 15th, the second less than a month later. Crews have been working since then to stabilize the slope, sometimes with blasting. And this is another angle of that slide coming down. This one taken from a boat in Okanagan Lake. You can see the size of the explosion and the immense amount of debris that came down. The Ministry of Transportation had planned the blast for Thursday evening, but rescheduled it. It says there may be more needed in the future. The ministry is anticipating a full opening of the highway before the end of the month. Occultus Lake Campground reopened today after it was forced to shut down due to an aggressive cougar. BC Conservation Officer Service says the cougar was at the Clear Creek Campground when it attacked and killed pets Thursday night and it displayed stalking behavior towards people. They temporarily closed the campgrounds to ensure safety. Conservation officers say the cougar has been removed, but it failed to specify if it was relocated or put down. And they said that there had been an attack and the pet had unfortunately been killed. And so we then were told that we needed to evacuate the premises because the cat was on the loose. So then we went and they then came back and said that this loop was optional because this attack had not happened on this loop. And then they came back and said, no, in fact, everybody uh, should evacuate because they were going to trap and find the cougar campers say they're happy to be back. It's been nearly three decades since a teenager vanished without a trace on Vancouver Island, but the case is not forgotten. As Julia Foy tells us, today her family and investigators renewed a billboard campaign to generate any fresh clues to finally find out what happened to Lindsay Nichols. We're really hopeful that somebody will finally come forward with that last piece of the puzzle. For mom Judy Peterson, the pain never goes away. Even 30 years after her 14-year-old daughter, Lindsay Nichols, disappeared near Courtney on Vancouver Island. Lindsay was an energetic 14-year-old. Um, she was very artistic and very loving and um, I miss her every day. On Saturday, RCMP members joined the family in launching a new billboard campaign, trying to generate tips about what happened to Lindsay on August 2nd, 1993. 30 years, it's a really, really long time um, for a family not to have closure. And we continue to work towards that uh, for Lindsay, for the family. The 14-year-old disappeared without a trace more than 20 years ago. Over the decades, there have been reenactments and Crime Stopper appeals. She literally vanished. In 2018, on the 25th anniversary of her going missing, officials launched the first set of roadside posters. To date, there have been over 400 tips, but not the one to bring Lindsay home. The investigators that work in this office that have worked on this file have poured their hearts into investigating every tip that comes in uh, diligently. The family refuses to give up looking for their loved one. It's been 30 years and I'm now 41. 
The first time I did this, I was 11. We've been searching for her for a lifetime. Whoever did it is still out there. And maybe that concept will help people think back really hard and have the courage to come forward. Anyone with information is asked to call Crime Stoppers or the Comox RCMP. Julia Foy, Global News. The Squamish Nation and the City of North Vancouver signing an agreement this morning laying the groundwork for a memorandum of understanding. The agreement is not legally binding, but the symbolic signing today near the shipyards in North Vancouver sets up new protocols to reflect the values of the Squamish people. It helps provide guidance on how the two governments can meaningfully engage in reconciliation. We've made tremendous strides working with leadership here in North Vancouver, but also educating leadership, but also educating the city of North Vancouver, our neighbours, our friends, uh, you know, paving a, a vision forward together. North Vancouver's mayor says it's honoured to sign this new agreement with the Squamish Nation. The signing ceremony today also celebrated the 100-year anniversary of the amalgamation of the Squamish Nation. Still to come on Global News Hour, it's music to the ears. The Vancouver Folk Festival makes its triumphant return, how it's going this summer weekend. And we drop by the UGM's 24th annual summer barbecue on the downtown east side when we come back. Music returned to Jericho Beach Park today as the Vancouver Folk Music Festival welcomed back fans of the event, which had been in jeopardy due to financial woes. But while everyone enjoyed the performances, there's still no guarantee about the future of the slimmed down event. Paul Johnson reports. If you're looking for a light to shine, look inside in these dark times. Check out Vancouver's Ruby Singh and the future ancestors, whose groove is as funky as their name. If you thought folk music only meant harmonies and acoustic guitars, Ruby's happy to explain his thing. Ladies and gentlemen. For somebody who grows up in the city, hip-hop's my folk music, reggae's my folk music, dub is my folk music. Now we gonna feed the fire. Come on, people, take it high. Don't you feel the full desire? Come on, people, take it high. When they hit the stage at Jericho Beach Saturday afternoon, it was only a few months after the festival itself was on the brink. Rising costs had led its previous organizers to decide to end the event, which has been a Vancouver institution since the 70s. But as they say about rumors of death. We're grossly exaggerated. And Blaine is one of the people who insisted they keep it going. There was a groundswell of, of support that came up. And attendance too. Audiences enjoyed perfect weather and a long list of performers from around the world. Which is the other unique thing about the festival. With tickets to the big stadium shows now regularly north of a thousand bucks each. If you love live music the folk festival is the best bargain around. And of course, if chill out sounds and ballads is your trip, there's still that too. This is Tiny Habits out of Boston and Vancouver. As for the old tie-dye scene, maybe a bit less of that, but definitely still here in spirit. Rock on, brother. Jericho Beach, Paul Johnson, Global News. 
The Union Gospel Mission served 4,000 meals to people in the downtown east side's Oppenheimer Park today. 100 staff and 150 volunteers took part in the UGM's 24th annual summer barbecue. Organizers say it's a chance for many to have some fun while being able to connect with others in a community that's often overshadowed by issues surrounding homelessness, poverty and addiction. And with the inflation on the rise, there is an even greater need this year. The soaring cost of living, we know that having a barbecue like today is not only going to help the families that are living in the downtown east side, but it's providing a lot of opportunity for important relationships to develop between our outreach workers and the folks who live in, in and around the neighborhood. Thank you, UGM. Thank, for the, thank you for giving the time to give back to the community. The barbecue also featured carnival-style games, face painting, and music. Vancouver's Chinese culture taking center stage at the 21st annual Chinatown Festival this weekend. Thousands of people filled Kiefer Street to attend the event hosted by our very own Michael Newman. The festival is organized by the Chinatown Businesses Improvement Association in the hopes of attracting more visitors to the historic neighborhood. The celebration comes with renewed optimism for Vancouver's Chinatown, which has been hit hard by the pandemic, rising theft, vandalism and racism. Performers from 11 to 6, so every hour have different like uh, Chinese dance, Hawaii dance, Kung Fu, Lion dance, and uh, a lot of different performers, bands, so every hour have different performers. So that's the main stage. Of course, we have uh, 12 different food trucks too. And then we have a little kids garden that uh, have kids can play games and everything. And then we have the little pet zoo too this year. That's the new one. Vancouver's Chinatown is home to the third largest concentration of Chinese descendants outside of Asia. Straight ahead on the news hour, outrage in Manitoba. More in the court injunction to stop a blockade at a landfill where the bodies of two indigenous murder victims may be located. And following in the lead of the U.S. and Canadians wonder when an over-the-counter contraceptive will be available here. Stay with us. Ukrainians fleeing Russia's ongoing war are set to have a new pathway for permanent residency in Canada. Starting in the fall, permanent residency will be extended to Ukrainians living in Canada with temporary status as long as they have at least one family member living in Canada. More details are expected before the program launches on October 23rd. The announcement from the federal government comes on the same day an emergency immigration program was set to expire. More than 800,000 visas have already been approved under the expiring program. In Winnipeg, a determined group of protesters remains defiant in the face of a court order to stop blocking the entrance of a city landfill. The group has been obstructing the main road for more than a week. They are pushing to have a nearby landfill searched for the remains of two murdered Indigenous women, despite the Manitoba government saying it would be too risky for workers. After a tense Friday night, things have calmed here at Brady Road Landfill. Many protesters have stayed on the front lines and at Camp Morgan, with others coming and going throughout the day, all still waiting a day after police were authorized to remove this blockade. I ask you today, and when I come back again, I hope to see all my red dresses here. I hope to see you all, my sisters. They need your help. They need your support.
Tracy Fiddler with an emotional plea at the blockade, which has stood for over a week now. She wears what she calls a dress of broken hearts in memory of missing and murdered indigenous men and boys. These hearts that you see are those spirits that are there, lost, murdered, looking to be found. Alongside the red dress, it's a reminder of the trauma indigenous people face. Melissa Morisot says that trauma has been with her all her life, which is why she's remained at the blockade since it went up. We don't want uh, conflict. We don't want aggressiveness. Like, that's, this is not why we're here. This is not what we're about. Although she's prepared to be arrested if necessary, she hopes it can be resolved peacefully. She and the others say they'll be staying put until they get justice for the women believed to be in Prairie Green Landfill. We're here because a definitive line has to be drawn in the sand, you know? Like, it, it has to stop somewhere, somehow. And this is why we continue to stay here. Catherine Dornian, Global News. In Health Matters, medical experts are questioning when Canadians might be able to get greater access to birth control. That's after the first over-the-counter contraceptive was approved in the U.S. this week. Joe Scarpelli reports. It's a pill experts describe as one of the most effective birth control methods, and it will soon become more widely available. This is really an important transformation in access to contraception care. But that's in the United States. The U.S. Food and Drug Administration recently approved OPIL, the country's first non-prescription birth control pill. And experts north of the border are paying close attention. I do think that we still need to do more to improve access. Emma Stern is the co-founder of Felix Health, a Canadian on-demand treatment provider. She says the pill's approval could lead to significantly less barriers for anyone trying to get their hands on them. I think that any barriers that are put up to, to accessing care um, can cause people to not you know, get these medications that they need and not take care of themselves. Over-the-counter medications are generally cheaper than prescriptions, but they aren't covered by insurance. British Columbia is the only province to offer universal coverage for prescription birth control. That's another way, experts say, the rest of the country can provide better access. Essentially, we want to see access expanded, whether that means people are getting this over the counter, whether that means they're getting it covered. As for the newly FDA-approved OPIL, Action Canada for Sexual Health and Rights still have some questions about it. It really will take a second to, you know, see how much they're going to charge for it because they've said it is affordable, but what does affordable mean? The pill is expected to be stocked on American shelves early next year. Joe Scarpelli, Global News. Hundreds of cyclists trying to conquer all three North Shore mountains in a single day, all in support of BC kids living with heart conditions. And that included Global BC reporter Aaron MacArthur. He joined 210 riders and 30 volunteers in the Triple Crown for Heart to raise funds for BC Children's Hospital Foundation. Aaron's ride taking him to the top of Cypress Mountain this afternoon. His journey, personal. His daughter, Addison, was just three weeks old when her heart suddenly failed. She became the first baby at BC Children's to ever receive a heart transplant. And she's now 12, and she's cheering her dad on. Organizers say they surpassed their fundraising goals today. 
It's a hot day, but we've pulled in uh, uh, $38,000 at this point. Uh, our goal was thirty-five, which we're really happy about. And the funds go to Children's, uh, Children's Hospital Foundation to support inpatients in the cardiac unit and also for the... Uh, the uh, Children's Heart Network and some children's and teens' heart camps. All right, going down. One in every 100 children in BC is born with a heart condition. Still to come on Global News Hour, honoring two national treasures, paying tribute to these Olympians and founders of the Sun Run. We come back. <laughs> You're watching Global BC. Yvonne is back and uh, it was a little uh, hot <laughs> on my black leather seats in my car. No kidding. You just feel like you melt in them. Yes. Right? <laughs> yes. And burn myself on the seatbelt. Totally. Yeah. I know. Totally. Uh, yes. A very hot day today. Thanks, Julie. Uh, good evening, everyone. We have had some temperature records fall. It is still going to be warm for tomorrow, but we've got a slight reprieve on the way for Monday and I'll show you the reason and what we're anticipating in just a moment. A glance at some of the numbers. We've got a mainly cloudy sky or the airport temperatures are sitting at 27 with a light wind out there lit in the hot spot across the province country today getting up to 37.3 it was a scorcher a few other numbers across the province today much of the interior into the low 30s revelstoke getting up to 32 degrees highs for prince george with the widespread smoke up to 24 and fort nelson and smithers today getting up to 25 now the temperature trend still warm tomorrow factor in the humidex it's going to feel closer to 29 degrees but that dip and brief break in the forecast will be for Monday and then it rises and spikes up once again for our Wednesday Thursday the interior anticipate another hot day tomorrow with the smoke across the region Monday slight break in the forecast and then Thursday Friday it'll be hot as we soar once again into the mid 30s now we do still have some active weather and really the big concern with it is the lightning strikes from the thunderstorms across the region the northeastern corners much of the central half and that extends in towards and includes Williams Lake as well now we are seeing that smoky skies bulletin it's blanketing the province, the northeastern corners, much of the central and southern half of the province. Now, the areas that are in grey will still be impacted by the smoke over the next 24 and 48 hours. We've got poor air quality as a result. We're seeing limited visibility in hazy conditions. So those with respiratory issues, it's recommended that you try and limit the amount of time spent outdoors. There is a break, though, in rain. We're tracking that across the northern half for the coast today. 16 as the high widespread smoke for the northern and central half of the province but the instability picks up once again for tomorrow we are looking at the potential for some lightning and the risk of thunderstorms southern half will see widespread smoke for most areas it'll be a hot one Kamloops getting up to 33 32 degrees a bit hazy for areas near Whistler and the instability across the island for the northern and western regions could even see that lightning pop up for the afternoon and early evening hours hot away from the water factor in the Humidex will be closer to 29. We've got cloud cover, a chance for some showers. That'll be for tomorrow. Taking us in towards our Monday, it clears out quite quickly. Hot and sunny once again, Julie, Wednesday, Thursday, away from the water up to 30 degrees. Back to you. Whoosh. All right. Thank you, Yvonne. <laughs> some special recognition for two BC athletes who've made significant contributions to the province. Mayor Ken Sim declared Doug and Diane Clement Day today at Jackpool Plaza. They're both Olympic sprinters who represented Canada in the 1952 and 1956 Summer Olympics and were also the co-founders of the Vancouver. 
and run in 1985. They were also key in bringing the 2010 Winter Olympics to Vancouver. For anyone who uh, isn't really familiar uh, with their history, let me just say, they are two incredible people. Um, they've built this nation. We get a benefit from so many things. Well, the event was held to coincide with Doug Clement's 90th birthday. Wow. We, we hear from uh, those two all the time because they uh, are anything track and field, especially yeah. in this province, they're involved in. So we always hear about uh, from uh, Doug and Diane. So congrats to them. Yeah. Uh, as we mentioned yesterday, Vanny uh, Sartini is not going to be on the sidelines tonight because he's been suspended for getting uh, three yellow cards. He likes to talk, as we know, to the <laughs> officials too much, but we'll still hear from Vanny as uh, they play uh, against the LA Galaxy tonight. Uh, Wimbledon tennis final. We've got highlights of that coming up and some uh, actually some very exciting CFL games uh, going on today. So we'll show you some pictures from that as well. Poor Vanny. Get Vanny. in trouble for well, passion. Uh, for passion. He's yeah. going to be in the press box. I think they'll still be able to hear him from there. <laughs> hey, awesome. Thanks so much, Barry. Well, coming up on Global News Hour, a new feature to Metal Fest in Armstrong, how it could be saving lives in a party environment when we return. All your local news. All your breaking news. All the news you need. Get it at 6. Global News Hour at 6. Every year, a weekend of heavy metal music, mosh pits, and thrash wrestling draws hundreds of headbangers to Armstrong. Metal Fest has been running successfully for almost a decade and a half, but this year organizers are stepping up safety measures in the wake of the opioid crisis. Kimberly Davidson reports. It's noisy, it's aggressive, and it's not for the faint of heart. It's Metal Fest, a European-style heavy metal festival that has been happening in the North Okanagan town of Armstrong since 2009. Every year is a challenge, but every year it grows, and it's, every year is a challenge because it grows. And with more than 700 metalheads moshing to 28 different bands, the last thing organizers want is for something to go wrong. That's why St. John's Ambulance is on hand for first aid issues. Security is trained to watch for people who may be in medical distress. And this year, due to the toxic drug crisis, one more measure has been put in place. Interior Health has joined us this year and they have offered drug testing and um, some naloxone training. Due to staffing shortages within Interior Health, the service could only be offered for one day of the festival but organizers hope it can be expanded in the future. We have seen some friends and acquaintances die, and uh, we don't want anything like that to happen at our festival. Interior Health, along with two other overdose prevention agencies, released a report about testing at festivals in 2022 which concluded in part that harm reduction works when utilized effectively. Kimberly Davidson, Global News. 
Coming up in sports, Lionel Messi in the spotlight. Why it's a huge day for Major League Soccer when we come back. From the stories that affect us all to a look at what's happening right now around us. When BC needs to connect, BC turns to the source that brings us together. Global News. Get your picnic blanket and grab a spot on the lawn at the Whistler Summer Concert Series. From classical music and indie pop to chilled out beats, R&B and rock bands, Whistler Olympic Plaza is the place to be for free outdoor concerts all summer long. Head to the Royal BC Museum and experience the life of Sue, the most complete and best preserved Tyrannosaurus Rex ever found. Don't miss out on learning how Sue survived their challenging and dangerous world. For Our BC, I'm Michael Newman. Global BC Community Hub. Promote your event, build your community. Global BC Community Hub, bringing your worlds together. Barry is back, and what have you got coming up? Well, we're going to start with uh, a little bit of uh, soccer news. It's kind of been rumored for uh, weeks and weeks and weeks, but it's just uh, started now. It's a huge day for uh, Major League Soccer. It's now official. Lionel Messi has uh, signed on with Inter-Miami through the 2025 season. The club says Messi will be available to play for the first time on the 21st against Mexican side Cruz Azul in that League's Cup competition. That is coming this Friday. The 36-year-old has won every major honor available to him during his career. Seven times he's been named the best player in the world. He's lifted 43 trophies during his career, including the World Cup trophy for Argentina last December. And uh, as we mentioned, though, it's a huge, it, the Whitecaps do not play, though, Miami this season. So if you're hoping to see him in Vancouver, that's not going to happen. But they do host LA Galaxy tonight in their final MLS game before the five-week break for the League's Cup competition. The Galaxy are second last in the West. Vancouver still holds on to the ninth and final playoff spot, so they cannot squander this opportunity with home points so precious. So no Vanny on the sidelines for this one, as we mentioned yesterday. Too many yellow cards means he's watching it from the press box but the key tonight for this team just take care of business we've been missing the consistency really we've been putting in some good performances and then some poor ones so um we need to try and keep the the intensity and uh you know not sit back too much we're we're pretty capable of you know scoring a goal and then dropping back and um it's up kind of biting us in the foot but uh yeah we just need to make sure we keep being aggressive, try and play to a high intensity and make it make it as hard as we can for other teams. Consistency, I think, is the key. Uh, I think there is the way that we try to work is to keep, uh, I would say, the same identity, the same way of playing. Uh, but, uh, of course, uh, having a very quick turnaround, uh, we need to try to do this with uh, probably different different 11 players on the field. The Whitecaps will have some key players back in the lineup tonight who were playing in the Gold Cup the past few weeks, including Ali Ahmed, who made his debut for Canada. He got a fair amount of playing time from John Herdman and showed very well. Seven months ago, this guy was playing for the Whitecaps 2 squad. So to go from there to the national team has been a bit of a whirlwind, to say the least. Very special, honestly. Uh, I don't even know if I can put it into words. You know, what made it even more special was the, the, the environment, the culture there, and the guys there. You know, to rep your countries with, with, the, with the people, people there, and you know, the staff there was 
uh, a highlight of my career, honestly. When you're playing with guys at that level um, on your team, you know you got players playing abroad in high in high uh, level leagues. So when you play with them, you you learn a lot. You soak their brains, and the experience I gain from there is uh, definitely a you know a, a big a big a big one for me. And I'll continue hoping to grow and gaining more experiences like that. Wimbledon women's final, Anjoubur versus Marketa Vandrusova from Czechia, both in search of their first Grand Slam title. Vandrusova was ranked 42nd in the world when this tournament began, but she put it all together this fortnight in London, chases down the Jabur dropper, and then will get the put away at net, 6-4, first set win for the Czech lefty. Now, Jabur, who's from Tunisia, was in the Wimbledon final last year and lost. Today, 31 unforced errors didn't help, but Vandrusova also played very solid, hits the clean winner, and then to match point. And Vandrusova finishes in style, reads it perfectly, finishes with the volley winner, and the 24-year-old is a Wimbledon champ, 6-4-6-4. It's a heartbreak for Anjabur, her second straight Wimbledon loss. Vandrusova just the third unseated player to win Wimbledon. Her ranking went from 42 to number 10 with this life-changing victory. CFL today, Blue Bombers and Red Blacks from Ottawa. Winnipeg tied with BC for first in the West at 4-1. Of course, the Lions have the week off. Bombers expected to dominate, and they did early. Zach Caleros to Nick Walatarski for the touchdown. 25-6 Winnipeg midway through the third, but Ottawa, they've had a nightmare start. So many injuries to their quarterback. That guy, rookie Dustin Crum, starting his first CFL game. He's their fourth QB already this season, but the kid came to play. Final play of the fourth quarter, down eight. How's this for drama? Runs it in for the touchdown. So Ottawa is in within two. They need the two-pointer to force overtime. And Crum will connect with Nate Bahar for that two-point conversion. And incredibly, Ottawa comes from 19 down. They were down 16 with under three to play. So it's 25-all. In overtime after Winnipeg got a field goal in their first possession, Crum does this, gets those big legs churning and bursts through the hole. A 30-yard game-winning touchdown. Ottawa shocks Winnipeg 31-28. Check out the celebration. Red Black, second win of the season. The Bombers drop to 4-2. and two, And that's great news for the Lions, who remain sole possession first in the West. Also tonight, Stamps and Rough Riders from Regina. Where else would there be uh, that many fans wearing green? Green and that many watermelons on their heads. Riders are three and one, but those three wins are by a combined total of eight points. Two have come against Edmonton, so the jury's still out if Saskatchewan's a contender or a pretender, but this is real. Mario Alford takes the punt, goes to the outside, tiptoes his weight into the end zone. What a return. The flag, by the way, that was down was for no yards, so the touchdown stands, a 66-yard punt return touchdown. 7-0 for the Green guys. But Stamps get their offense going in the second. Jake Mayer to Tommy Lee Lewis for the touchdown. Lewis's first catch in his first CFL game, and it's a touchdown. That's pretty good. 13-10 Calgary. And then just before half, Mayer to Luther Hakunavanu. 20-10 Stamps at the half, and they now lead 27-17 in the fourth. Canada Cup softball today from South Surrey. Canada taking on TC Colorado in the playoffs. Canada in black. Got some great defense. Colorado, the base is loaded with one out, but it's the 5-2-3 double play. Home to first, solid defense. 
keeps it scoreless through four. It would go to extra innings still scoreless when Erica Polidori cranks a double the deep left. They start with the runner at second in extra innings so that they can break the ties easier. So that run scored. Canada's first hit of the game counts. They're up one nothing, but Colorado with two on and two out in the eighth get a clutch base hit and both runs score. So Canada loses a tough one, two one. But they're not done yet. They play again tonight at 8:30 in a loser out game. If they win, they'll keep playing tomorrow. Baseball today, Blue Jays and Arizona Diamondbacks from Rogers Center. Bottom second, bases loaded for George Springer. Rips the single to left off Diamondbacks ace Zach Gallen, who started the All-Star game for the National League last Tuesday. Blue Jays up 2-0. Zona tied it, but then in the fourth, Jays All-Star Whit Merrifield will take Gallen deep. And this one has just enough to climb over the wall and left. Merrifield having a superb season, 3-2. Blue Jays in front, and then in the eighth, a little insurance from another All-Star, Bo Bichette. This is into the Jays' bullpen and left. His team-leading 16th home run. Jays win 5-2. They're now 52-41 and 41 and firmly in a wild-card spot in the American League. So overseas to Scotland for the uh, Scottish Open and golf. Englishman Tommy Fleetwood, who had his heart broken by Nick Taylor in the Canadian Open playoff. Great tee shot on his finishing hole today. Fleetwood... Would uh, get it to about five feet, made that for birdie. Had the low round of the day, seven under 63. He is at 11 under, just two off the lead. And it's Northern Ireland's Rory McIlroy. He had the lead when the day began, and he has still got it. Second shot on the par five from 235 with a five iron. Sticks this one to about seven feet, but he missed the eagle putt. But Rory still leads at 13 under. Nick Taylor is playing at a great round, five under today. He is at seven under and tied for 18th. Now, we know Steph Curry is uh, one of the greatest, if not the greatest, three-point shooter in NBA history, but he's also a scratch golfer. And today in Lake Tahoe, playing in a celebrity tournament, he did this. He's posing. He likes it. It's a hole-in-one. And then the celebration is on. I mean, he's made... 40 and 50 footers in basketball routinely, but the golf hole is much smaller than the basketball hoop. A 152-yard ace for Curry. He's got the lead in the tournament after three rounds. He's uh, got the lead ahead of the likes of the hockey's Joe Pavelski and Tony Romo and other sports celebs. And his dad, Del Curry, is in 10th place, but it's Steph who leads the way. And obviously still in uh, good shape if he can sprint to the green he after the hole. He up a bit. Yeah, okay. exactly. How about a little energy, Steph? Okay. It's supposed to be fun, but yeah, people come to see that, and he's a great entertainer. Awesome. Thanks right. so much, Barry. Well, straight ahead on the news hour, we'll tell you about a special kind of physical therapy that's helping our four-legged family members when we come back. Yep, people. Global BC Community Hub. Promote your event. Share your story. Build your community. Global BC Community Hub, bringing your worlds together. From the stories that affect us all, to a look at what's happening right now around us. When BC needs to connect, BC turns to the source that brings us together. Global News. Dot.
dogs are sometimes our most beloved members of the family. So when they're in need of some physical therapy for their pain, there are now options for pet owners and caregivers. Similar to people in need of pain relief through therapy and exercise, the Stretch and Fetch Animal Rehabilitation Center in Prince George gets referrals from vet clinics. It has a complete gym and examination rooms, and the facility also helps pets with acute injuries in their recovery. Dogs that have chronic conditions like arthritis, um, we can use different modalities. We realize and families are realizing that, well, if my kid was doing that, I'm not just going to be like, well, they're getting older, it's all right, I'm just going to put that to the side. Uh, and dogs are being treated more like kids now. While the facility strives to provide peace of mind for pet owners, it's gaining in popularity and will be expanding in the next couple of years. It's oh, hilarious nice. to watch uh, dogs do physio. <laughs> as long as they don't injure their tail. Yes. That tells you if they're yes. happy or not. Although there was one shot, because I wrote that story, was that, you know, this dog is getting therapy in his tail. <laughs> oh, yeah, they're happy. You know, he yeah. loved Most it. humans are not wagging their tail. Yeah. No. Yeah. And they're going through therapy. It hurts usually. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> anyway, one last look at the weather. Uh, another warm one for tomorrow. Uh, temperatures will soar up to 26. Humidex will feel like 29. But we're actually trapping tracking this blip in the forecast tomorrow night an increase in cloud cover a chance of showers that takes us in towards Monday but late day Monday it'll clear out once again a brief break from the heat will be on Monday and then hot and sunny so be prepared Wednesday Thursday and we're still seeing that widespread smoke along the northern and central and southern interior okay well thank you so much Yvonne thanks so much for being with us we hope you have a fantastic night